Welcome! You found the Out of the Ordinary podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And a few of our favorite ordinary winter things are flannel sheets, candles in the kitchen, and coming in out of the cold. And a few of mine are ice skating on the neighborhood pond, long walks after a snowfall, and warming back up again with a homemade tea latte. We hope these conversations help you see the extra hidden right in plain sight in your ordinary life, too. Get comfy. Here we go. I feel like I wish I could sing because then I would start this episode singing like, oh, happy day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, happy day. Christy's back on the podcast with me and I'm so happy. It is a happy day. And I definitely, I cannot sing on good days. <laughs> I definitely cannot sing post-COVID, but it is a happy day. It yes, It is. Yes. And I mean, <laughs> I loved having Zoe on. I love that your John and my Peter got to be guests. But it is not the same as having you here with me. So I can see you. We're both on Skype still. I'm sitting across from Christy. And anybody who's catching this episode and hasn't heard the loss too probably doesn't know the news. So we'll just share with you that Christy... Unfortunately, but similarly to many people around the world and here in the United States caught COVID and so for two weeks was out with it. We had some really generous guest co-hosts here on the pod. (laughs) I really recommend going back and listening to those episodes, particularly last week where our husbands shared really for the first time their version of all the stories that we tell, which Christy, I am not going to lie. It was pretty vulnerable sitting next to them. And I was like, I texted you as soon as I got off and I'm like, you have to listen to today's episode. Oh my gosh, the guy said a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) I was so nervous when I started listening. Not because I didn't trust them, but because... Right, we're in the other seat now, and it, it right. you feel vulnerable. <laughs> you really do, and it gave me a real appreciation of what the last decade of their lives has been right. like. <laughs> because, I mean, I knew what they were going to say, but at the same time, you don't know how they're going to say it. You don't know, you know how much they're going to say. It really was an exercise in trust, but at the same time, it did what great stories do, right? It gave me a new way to see a story I thought I was familiar with and experiences that I had. It colored them in with new colors that I hadn't seen before. So it was really helpful. We loved hearing from so many listeners who loved Zoe's stories on the podcast about winter, her take on winter <laughs> and on waiting. And we loved hearing from so many of you who've lived through a season of change. You started out maybe doing one job or one career or one calling And then there was a big pivot either for you or for someone in your family that made you rethink everything you thought you knew up until that point. So when our husbands were speaking about that last week, it was really powerful because in many ways, Christy, that's been our journey with trying to particularly take care with you, with your family, with I know a lot of the breathing conditions you guys struggle with when it came to COVID. We had spent like 10 months recording virtually in order to prevent what ultimately ended up happening. And then we got some really interesting questions about it. So I feel like we're just going to go there today. We're going to unpack what a lot of people have lived through, questions and fears surrounding the virus, and then questions and fears they have about choices they've made related to it. And we won't do it perfectly. Our version is not the only way. 
Right. But what a unique experience, my friend, that you, I know, shared about on social media. If you don't follow Christy, you're going to want to find her, Christy Purifoy, P-U-R-I-F-O-Y. And I love the opening lines of that post. You talked about, you called it a virus story, and then you talked <laughs> about fear right there mm-hmm, in the opening mm-hmm. sentences. And so I yeah. guess today we get to do that here, the audio version of that post. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm not afraid to say that we were afraid but not in a, oh, we didn't trust God, or no, I think I think I had a pretty healthy fear <laughs> of this virus in the sense that um, vir- just very common colds have wreaked a lot of havoc on me and on my kids. Um, asthma is a family inheritance. Recently, I've been trading stories with my dear mom, um, who's been so worried for me and has all her dear friends praying for me and our family. Um, Just love her. But she grew up, of course, many decades ago with asthma as a young kid. And back then, they just did not have the treatments we have now. And so, she spent much of her childhood in and out of the hospital in a kind of oxygen tent. They didn't have inhalers. They just, they didn't have the medicines that I take for granted. Um, gosh, I think of my grandmother who went through those experiences with her. So, yeah, I've been having those conversations with my mom throughout this pandemic about what it looks like for um, those of us who are very familiar with breathing trouble um, to have a healthy fear, right, of, you know, um, protecting our lungs and I and for my kids as well. Yeah, actually, just this summer, I don't think I would have shared this on the podcast, but one of my kids was actually hospitalized just this summer because a bad allergy day turned into some out of control asthma and he he had to be admitted and that that just happened so we have been very careful for 10 months <laughs> it's, know, a it's a long time and and i did immediately have a lot of feelings once i realized that the virus had found us um, but one thing deep inside was the sense that so much effort had been wasted like i feel like that was the first one of the first questions that poured out what was it for? Why did we, you know, why, why um, did we work so hard to avoid it only to catch it and only to catch it what to me felt like um, right at the finish line of vaccines becoming available, uh, at least in my country. Um, It felt like running this long race and then stumbling when Mm. you can see the finish line in sight. (laughs) Mm. Um, It felt like that. Um, But I'll be honest, I pretty quickly processed that for myself, but then uh, one of the first days that uh, my children came into um, my bedroom where I had been recovering, once uh, we knew sort of who was positive and felt like uh, I no longer needed to be totally isolated from them, and so my teenager came in and started saying, exactly this question. I feel like I wasted 10 months. What was it for? Right. <laughs> and oh, Lisa Joe, I wish I could say that I just kept my mouth shut and listened, but I immediately started trying to like silence her question and say, no, 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 that's not the right approach. This is how we think of it. And then I realized, wait a second, Christy, you took time to process that question. Um, she's a whole lot long- younger than you are. Give her the space to process it. Um, So she needed to process that as well. So I think it is a question that the fact that it it sort of shot up in both of us, it's a question worth pausing over and letting yourself sort of feel out the corners of it and not rush to answer it as um, as I often want to do with 
difficult, uncomfortable questions. So yeah, that's the question. On that note, you know, it's worth acknowledging we've received a lot of questions over the last 10 months about us continuing to record a part. So anytime we post about the podcast or anytime we do an episode where we share about how much I've missed coming to Maplehurst or we miss each other, we've actually had very kind, very kind questions. They're framed Mm -hmm. really with trying to give us the benefit of the doubt and really trying to understand, to put themselves in our shoes and have said things like, I don't understand, you know, uh, our schools are back or we're back at work or we're seeing family and we know how much you guys miss each other. Why are you still apart? Can't you Mm -hmm. do it wearing masks? We don't understand. Your part of the world sounds so different than where we are right now. And every time that happens, I think, yes, that's so crazy. Every part of the world is so different right now. I and I always go through sort of this weird roller coaster of emotions. Like at first I feel defensive. And then I feel the same as them and frustrated that we're not together. And then I feel overprotective of you. And I want to be like, <laughs> I will do whatever it takes to protect Christy and her family. <laughs> and 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 so I have this roller coaster. And then I also kind of have despair because I think to myself, when will we ever be back together? So I just want to acknowledge you and I have had complicated feelings throughout mm-hmm. this journey. Mm-hmm. And I will say when I found out that you had COVID, one of my first thoughts was relief. You did not get it from me. I <laughs> thought, I'm so glad that we took all the steps we did yeah. because I know that recovery for you has had challenging moments. But I say all that to say, these are none of them simple questions. Everybody listening and us sharing and our families all have a lot of complicated feelings about mm-hmm. the last year we've lived through. My daughter has had a very hard week where we are now about to mark the one year of mm-hmm. being on online school. And she has thrived through all of it and just hit a wall so hard this last week. It is just there. And like you say, there's nothing I can do to rush her through it. Like I want her to be okay, but I can't fundamentally, I cannot change a reality that she has to process and I have to give her space to process. So today we just want to hold space. We like talking about that. Whoever's listening, we don't know what it's like in your part of the country. We don't know what your COVID experience has been like. We don't know who you might have lost because of COVID. And so we are just going to offer you like we always do our story. This is our story of how the experience played out for us. Yeah, 10 months coming up on a year. It really is incredible. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, we live life and we, or we make sense of our lives in the same ways we make sense of stories, right? We look back over the narrative, the beginning, the middle, but it's trickier with life because it's not like the pages of a book where we, we hold the whole story in our hands. Mm. And I think that's how I've been thinking about this is that I know I am processing parts of my story, but I'm, I'm processing the parts I can see Um, But there's a lot of mystery around the edges. So I think that's how I approach this question that I can only see so much of my life. And, um, And so when I look at what I see, yes, I ask, was it wasted? But I always try to be aware of um, what I can't see on the edges and what I can't see are just, it's just the bigger picture of timing, of purpose. Um, I know just as you were so relieved that you didn't pass this on to me, um, we had a period of waiting where we weren't sure if we had passed it on, um, to another family, uh, and the relief I felt when we, it was confirmed that 
that we hadn't. So just as our lives touch other lives, our stories are woven in with with other stories. So my COVID experience, of course, woven in with my daughters, yours, with your daughters. But I'm just aware, I think, in humility, even as I try to tell the story of all I don't know. So the big thing I don't know is what did our faithfulness to follow the path we felt we we needed to be on, what good did that do? What what um, What was avoided or what was enabled because we walked faithfully. The only thing I can know is that we walked faithfully, that we tried to, in prayer and wisdom and learning and discernment, um, do our best to protect ourselves and others without living a completely like shut down, fearful life, right? And I feel in that sense that we ran a good race and we finished the race. We didn't stumble. We didn't... um, fall just before the finish line. But the problem is when we're living a story or following a path, we we often, inevitably, we can't avoid this, we assume we know where we're headed. So we walked that path because I assumed we would not get COVID. Mm. I was just determined. I can remember actually um, somewhat early on, well, no, uh, no, let's just say halfway. <laughs> Halfway through this 10 months, a dear friend um, saying to me, well, I assume at some point we'll all get this. And she was responding to something she had, she'd seen, and, um, but I remember in my head thinking, no, 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 yeah. no, <laughs> I will not. <laughs> I will not get this. Um, but of course, the truth is we, we don't control that. We mm-hmm. don't control that. And so it, the path we were on didn't lead <laughs> to the point I thought it, it would. And so it takes time to adjust to the new place where you've landed. So when um, in the early days of our family being sick, I had a lot of adjusting to do just to the idea of being sick with this thing that I had always assumed would not touch us. But it wasn't bad to process that. It was actually really good. It was really good to, to work to a place of receiving what was happening and that's different than saying, this is God's will. This is good. That, that's, that's. Um, like fatalism. Right. No, mm-hmm. no. But receiving it, just receiving it and, and, and being with it mm-hmm. <laughs> and saying, yes, this is happening and this is not what I expected. But okay, I'm, I'm, I'm here now and I'm showing up to this experience and I'm trusting that God is in this experience with me. And to do that doesn't negate everything that came before. It's just being faithful to now and to today. So on the path, I was faithful to those months of spring quarantine, summer quarantine, autumn quarantine. Right. <laughs> and now I, and then over um, January, just being faithful to showing up to the experience of, of January sickness. Mm. You know, I think so often. As the guys unpacked in last week's episode, we tend to think of our lives as linear, like there's this right. one path that we're on, right. and then sometimes the path forks, and mm-hmm. there are only two choices, right. and I think we have this very limited perspective on what choosing looks like, Yeah, and so it's, you know, as they talked about you and I at that fork where we were supposed to be walking the path of law or the path of a PhD in English, and instead we chose this other path. 
resentment or lots of hard questions, anger at God, frustration with your spouse can happen, I think, if we only look at a dualism. But I think, I imagine, because I like how you use the word mystery, there's a lot of mystery on the Mm -hmm. edges. I imagine from God's perspective, however, it is a lot more complex than that. And rather than one linear path that divides in two, I imagine something more like the very complicated twists of strand in a thread of DNA, for example. Mm -hmm. So a thread of DNA might say a very simple outcome, two blue eyes. Mm -hmm. But we all know the threads are much more complicated than that, right? And they're spinning and twisting. Nothing is straight. They're not just two paths. There are millions and millions of interconnected fibers, nerves, and strands of history and genetics coding together to come up with these two blue eyes. And so what I'm starting to accept about my own life is that what I think of as this one choice I am on that now became this other choice, I have to let myself imagine that in God's beautiful, creative, vivid imagining of this who is not constrained by things like a virus or politics or where you're located in the globe or what language you speak. Like God is not actually constrained by those things. He's weaving all of it into something so much more mysterious than we could ever fathom so that what we think of as this one path might actually have been you know, a multiplicity of millions of connectives that he's put together to get us to a place where he has now decided, no, now we're making this spin of the globe. You know, it's not a right turn. I feel like now we're going to launch the shooting star is maybe more lyrical way of imagining what he's doing in the moment. I don't think God sees it like we like, oh, you were on this path and now you turned right. You know, (laughs) I feel like he's like, you're in this helix of DNA spinning around in a milky way of choices and galaxies and stars. And he is delighted now to to bring you into this new twist that only he could have envisioned. It helps me that way. And I think it makes me less of the God of my own story mm-hmm. and more of the the art that's being created. I don't know if that makes sense. I, I'm like trying to tap my inner poet to find bigger words because I just think like path and fork in the road is just not good not. enough to describe God at work. I agree. I think the the much more appropriate metaphors are art metaphors, I think, um, or science. Like you said, DNA, I would and the sky, the glory of the heavens. I think dance and music, those kind of like performative art that is like happening. I do think those are the right metaphors. It's true. We can make poor decisions. We can make stupid choices. We can. <laughs> sure. We can make bad choices. I mean, we can I've make bad choices. Too. But guess what? Even on the other side of that, we can turn to God and He will be there to again bring some beautiful song, um, some glorious dance out of it. And maybe it wouldn't be what what could have been, but it will, you know, he, he brings good things. He, you know, he, he causes good things to be abundant in our lives when we turn to him. So, yeah, it's just, it's bigger, it's more beautiful, it's more mysterious. And so, yeah, I feel like I've just been resting a bit in the mystery of what I absolutely did not expect to happen. And as hard as it has been at times, and it, it has, I am 
and I'm not going to give a play-by-play of what it's like to have COVID because it is so different for everyone. It's not been fun. <laughs> it's really not been fun. And I can say now I was right to not want to get this. <laughs> I, I, yes, I, and I hope I never have it again. <laughs> and yet, there have been gifts in the midst of it, gifts of rest, um, of a, just a radical slowing down after a busy Christmas time, you know, sweet moments with my kids or my husband serving me. So, so even in something that I would say, mm, yeah, I would write the story without this, even uh, in those chapters, um, there's so much good to be received. So, I have tried to, to focus on that, even though there was another question that bubbled up. A question I'm sure our listeners have asked and are familiar with, whether it's COVID or something else, and that is, it's it's not it's not maybe it's not a question actually, <laughs> it's a cry. <laughs> it's not fair. It's not fair. Mm. I did cry that at first, and that too is a human saying, "Hey, I did things this way, and the outcome should have been this." And so that was something else I had I had to process that cry in my heart saying it's not fair. It's not fair. I know. I and it's the cry <laughs> of every child to their parent, right? Yeah. Like it's not yes. fair. <laughs> yes. It's not fair that you yes, did this to yes. me. <laughs> yes. And when I was crying it out, I it was tempting again to shut that one down too, but I realized, oh, this is what children say. And I'm really right. sick right now. And so it is okay to act like a right. child right. to, you know, my parent God, my father God. And um, yeah, and to know that he can receive that and listen. But I do feel like pretty quickly what I felt, even in my own heart, the response to that was, was this, you're right, it's not fair. Yeah. It isn't. Things right. are not fair. And mm-hmm. actually, I have been the recipient of mercy and grace in abundant ways, mm-hmm. but I can look around and see suffering and sorrow and grief, whether it's COVID-related or just you know the general suffering of humanity. And I can look at, at those stories and say, oh, it's not fair. Right. It's not fair either. So, it, I think it's okay to say that as long as I quickly move to a place of realizing the cry of it's not fair isn't a cry of just my own life, but of of us looking around and, and often seeing suffering that that is clearly undeserved, you know, that that is a reality of our world. And, and it's okay to spend some time looking at that. So, I felt pretty quickly like that cry of it's not fair became much bigger, more cosmic almost in a way that was good. It was mm-hmm. good because then it wasn't my own personal bitterness or, you know, it was a bigger cry to, to spend some time with, which ultimately for me, um, I think broke my heart open a little bit more towards just compassion for others mm-hmm. um, and to see their suffering and to be able to cry with them, oh, this isn't fair. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that you're going through this. Mm-hmm. And I sense that God's heart is in that too, that God's heart is towards His children to say, I am so sorry. I love you. I wish... I wish it were otherwise, mm. and I am making it so that it will be <laughs> otherwise. Right. I'm I'm fixing everything. I'm making everything new, but we are still in the in that story. We're not at the end yet. I was thinking, you know, these comments like "What good did it do?" "It's not mm-hmm. fair." Mm-hmm. They are childlike because they mm-hmm. assume a child's point of view, right? Like mm-hmm. once again, yeah. we get back to this idea that we just we can't see and we can't know. What we don't have access to. And so it's, 
important to recognize we don't have access to a lot of the information (laughs) that God has access to. What we do have access to is His promises to us, who He says Mm -hmm. He is in our Mm -hmm. lives. And so when we hold on to those things, they help color when we're asking those questions. Like, what what good did it do? Well, that's a question that's stemming out of just a two-choice world, right? Like, either Mm. I can stay home and be healthy, or I can go out and get sick. Yeah. So what good did it do now? Because one thing happened, it must mean this other thing was a waste, which negates the fact, of course, that we deal with a God who thinks in infinities, and <laughs> it's not in a dualistic world of just two choices. He is a right. God who's so far above and beyond. And I I mean, one comes back to Job in, in times like this because Job said essentially those kinds of things, and then God responds in chapter 38 and says, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? <laughs> Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. And then, of course, goes on to talk about all these wonderful questions like who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness. You know, have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? Like, I just (laughs) love that. Have you ever journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. And I just, I don't want that to sound like a cop-out when you suffer, to just say, well, God says, you know, you don't know enough, and so you can't ask, but instead to see it as an invitation from a God who says, wait, wait, like, you can't see, like, you don't know everything. And I was earlier today looking up a poem. My father, I actually remember in my teenage years, my dad tried to memorize this entire poem. It was so impressive. I actually remember us driving home. We had been in Zimbabwe visiting friends, and we were driving home to South Africa, and my dad reciting this poem and me having it on a piece of paper and then telling him if he had made any errors or not as he was Mm -hmm. reading. And I know you're familiar with it, Christy. It's called The Hound of Heaven by Francis Thompson, and it's this really famous poem that describes God as this determined, committed, beloved chaser after. He is chasing after us. No matter what we do, no matter how much we don't want Him, no matter how we want to get away from Him, He is chasing after us. And in the last verse of this poem, it reminded me of that verse from Job, and it's a similar voice of God speaking back to this creature that he loves, who feels like maybe God doesn't have his best at heart. And it's another take on that, and it's so beautiful. Here in the last lines, God says to him, Alack, thou knowest not how little worthy of any love thou art. Whom wilt thou find to love ignoble thee? Save me, save only me. All which I took from thee, I did but take, not for thy harms, but just that thou might seek it in my arms. All which thy child's mistake fancies as lost, I have stored for thee at home. Rise, clasp my hand, and come. I mean, the voice of God saying everything you've questioned, everything you don't understand, everything you feel that was taken from you, I'm actually trying to give it to you. I am Mm. determined to chase after you with goodness. And we have that promise in Scripture too, right? All the days of my life, goodness and mercy are chasing after me. And if we only see the world as a two-choice paradigm, we won't believe that's true. But if we can conceive of a God 
above and beyond time and infinity, who cares so much for us that he would constrain himself to the DNA of a human being, Mm -hmm. we have to, we have to give him the benefit of the doubt in this case that his thoughts are deeper than the sea and higher than the heavens, and that no matter how great our pain, he's able to be in it with us because he Mm -hmm. actually is working for something that we can't even imagine that is part of his good for us. I love that you mentioned the sea. I feel like in these, (laughs) it's just interesting to me. It's good to note in these conversations where we are seeking after the things that are just sort of outside of our line of usual sight, right? The things that we the mysterious edges, right? Which is where God is, you know, those parts of God that, yeah, almost you see out of the corner of your eye, right? Mm. So, you talked about the sea. And a a psalm that I happened to read um, just on a particular day uh, when I was sick and, um, yeah, just in need of comfort, um, I love any kind of um, prayer book where it t- tells you what to read that day. <laughs> yeah. I, l- I like just to have my assignment. Right. <laughs> so, agree. Yeah. So, the one day I opened this book, the assignment was Psalm 107, and there's a point in it. Let's see. Down in the psalm around verse 23, it says, Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. But the thing that struck me about those verses is that just this sort of acknowledgement that we might be sailors who go about our work. And that means that at times, we will find ourselves on a ship, pitching up to the heavens and pitching down to the bottom of the sea. And we will be afraid, but we are also seeing to the heart of things. We're seeing now, we're, we're able to peer um, into depths that were not visible to us before when the sea was calm and we're, and we're getting a sense of, of God's en- enormity and mystery and, and, um, and, and all the wondrous ways and places <laughs> where God is. So we're, our, our eyes are, are just seeing things that they don't normally in our everyday life, but then God has mercy on us and he calms the sea and he brings us to our desired haven. And I, uh, yeah, I was just really struck by the sense that it, it isn't described, I didn't read it as this sense of like, here is this crisis, 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 when will God rescue them? But the sense of, oh yes, this is really scary, <laughs> Yeah, and and they're afraid and they feel small, but at the same time, they're seeing things that others who stay on land don't get to see, hmm. right? If we don't go about our, our these sailors, if they didn't go about their business and get on the ships and do their work, they wouldn't have seen the depths of the ocean. Mm. And I don't know when those sailors made it to their haven, maybe they would be a bit like me with COVID saying, yeah, I don't ever want to do that again, but I am grateful for the things I saw while I was pitching on that ship. 
it's a complicated response. It isn't either or. It is saying, yeah, that was really scary, and there was something evil there. The scripture even says these evil circumstances. Like, it's not saying this is good. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I, I would maybe want to say this evil virus that is causing so much suffering and death. But even in the midst of evil like that, that chance to see into, you know, the depths and into the mystery um, is a wonderful thing. It's not the only thing, but it's a significant thing. So, I don't know. I Those sailors just <laughs> brought the strangest kind of comfort um, on a day when I really needed it. I'm going to hold on to that image now myself because it is a really helpful one, not just in the season of COVID, but really when I look back over my life, especially as Pete and John were talking and I realized, oh my gosh, yes, like what was the purpose of that law degree? And what was the purpose of that time I worked as a human rights lawyer in Ukraine? And what was the purpose of? Like you can keep Mm -hmm. asking those questions, especially if those were things that were costly, like financially or relationally geographically because they required Mm -hmm. you to stretch or move outside of your comfort zone and then you now wonder why did i why did i do that why was i on that path why did i have that experience how wonderful to think it might not be to do with the place you were supposed to get to that you didn't arrive at right Right. it might actually be that god is like no look over the edge of the boat look at what what i'm showing you (laughs) like yeah you're with it you're with me here you know we're we're on this journey and i'm teaching you and shaping you and forming you i guess god isn't utilitarian the way we are we feel like if i didn't accomplish this end if i wasn't this tool that God could use to accomplish this end I had set my mind to, then that thing was pointless. But God doesn't view us as a means to an end. Mm -mm. God views us as His beloved children that He's constantly leaning into and teaching and shaping and loving and connecting with and knowing in the deepest ways you can know somebody. And so, I have to pull myself back from what's a temptation, I think, to limit what God is bringing meaning out of by saying, oh, if it didn't end in the direction on the map that I thought it was supposed to in my life, somehow what I did is wrong or broken or even worse, wasted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And isn't there some freedom in that to just kind of let go of that, of that yardstick that we apply to everything? Right. And, um, to say more often, I don't know. I don't know what it's for. I don't know what it means. But wow, I saw some things over the side of that ship. And I only saw them because the waves were so high. (laughs) Mm. Um, I saw things that weren't everyday things to see. And I'm glad I saw them. And I'm glad you're here to tell us about them today. It's (laughs) so good to have you back. I cannot wait for the day we're back together in person in real Mm -hmm. life. But for now, this was a welcome return, my friend. It has been. Thank you so much, Lisa Joe, and thank you to all our listeners. It's so good to be back sharing stories with you. If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image. And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend, click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link.